0: hello 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 it is me it is me your true hill phenom sp3 and we are live from greensboro and the uk to give you the preview of aew revolution 2024 for the true hill heat youtube channel i am being joined by my esteemed colleague in person i can touch him (laughs) I can touch him. He is the true draw, Josh.
1: How you doing, Josh? Doing good. Uh, got here today, so looking forward to this weekend.
0: Absolutely. We are here live in Greensboro for the big show, but joining us, we got to have a special guest for the big show, and we are joined by one of the best in wrestling media, in my great opinion. He is our AEW expert. We bring him on for all of our previews when it comes to these major shows from All Elite Wrestling. You know him from Wrestle Purist, one of the hottest YouTube channels in wrestling media. You know him from Late Night Grin, one of the most consistent, hardworking, yes, wrestling YouTube channels.
2: He is Joe Holbert. Wow. I always say it the intros are getting better. I feel like I'm giving you more things to say too. So it's going well. So uh, I, got, I must admit though, I feel like I'm letting the team down a little bit today. You know, you guys are like, you're on location. You got the, the two man booth going. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little behind here, but uh, I will try my best on behalf of Great Britain for the Revolution preview here, folks. I would have
0: called you over. If you were in Greensboro, yeah, I would have been man. like, hey, man. I'd uh... have been there,
2: bro. <laughs> I wouldn't have anything else to do. So I'd have been there. <laughs> it's it's, it's Greensboro it's not a lot yeah that's why he is so I would have been right there but it is what it is brother (laughs)
0: yes well thank you all for joining us live thank you all if you're watching us on demand we appreciate y'all for joining us show that appreciation back the simplest way possible drop the thumbs up on this video share this video with all your wrestling fans friends and family on all your favorite social media platforms if you are new to the true hill heat youtube channel hit that subscribe button hit the bell to stay notified for all the great content here and of course sound off in the live chat we love to interact with all of you live we will try to highlight as many of your comments as possible but of course if you're feeling generous you want to give back to what we do here the best way to do that is with a super chat donation that will make sure that we highlight your comment on screen and it goes back to the contributors that you usually see here on the true hill heat youtube channel so we're always appreciated of that we're our self-funded channel so we always love those supports so we also got in the chat right now. We got Eric Isaac who says, Hey, True Hill Heat Crew. We got Christopher Kidd who says we in the chat today. Hello, you healish people. Hello, you sir, as well. It's a big weekend, AEW Revolution. We got Roxy here who says, Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I want to give a shout-out and a big thanks to our host. Here in Greensboro, our good friend uh Kelvin the blind devil, who is uh lending us uh this this humble abode and his son Kane. We're in his room. So shout out, you know, we got the d- design in the back, the skull design that's from Kelvin, and he got uh Kane's championship belt. So shout outs to them. We want to give them a shout out for uh lending us and hosting us here in Greensboro, but we're here live. I'm very excited. We usually start off these previews with the buzz level going into the show. You're here live with me in Greensboro. What's your buzz level? Zero to ten for Revolution on Sunday. Ten already. There we go. There we go. <laughs> he got a couple of days ago. He got right at ten. 10. Joe, what about you?
2: I yeah, I can't rain on the parade here. I'm 10 too. I uh <laughs> I mentioned to you guys before we went live, like if this show was just sting and a couple of things I was interested in, I'd be pretty higher because it's a big deal. In the house as you guys are going to experience is going to be crazy but this is not just Sting and friends this is an all-star card this is one of the best cards that have ever put together sprinkle on top a build that's actually been damn good too and i think yeah 10's the the right mark i think for this
0: yeah i always love to leave room to grow though mm-hmm. throughout the preview yeah. so i'm gonna go with a nine and a half i think yeah. i can get to a 10 though by the end of this preview, we got uh, Hello, Saturday, uh, Happy Saturday from India from uh, Joy Boy. Thanks for joining us in the chat. We got Christopher Kidd who says this card is going to make this a great show. I think the sold out crowd, the energy of the crowd, the special kind of like moment that it is to be a part of something so special that's going to be remembered for years to come with Sting. I think that already made the card special, but like Joe said, they have... Done a great job kind of building to this show as well. Uh, We got Frantic World who says, what's up, SP3, Josh, Joe, and chat. Thanks for joining us, guys. And sound off with your predictions in the live chat. We want to hear from you as well. But let's start off with the newest match that they've added to the card, Joe, Josh. We're going to talk about this eight-man all-star scramble that was announced on Dynamite. You got Chris Jericho coming off of a victory over Atlantis Jr. on Dynamite. You got Powerhouse Hobb coming off a fantastic match with Sammy Guevara on AEW Collision. You have Wardlow, who's coming off the best promo of his career two weeks ago on Dynamite. Lance Archer, who's been in and out of AEW seemingly for like the past two years, Hook, the FTW champion, and his current rival, Brian Cage, the former FTW champion of Mogul Embassy. And two entrants yet to be, uh, I guess, announced yet, but the shows have basically aired. And I- yeah. believe- Magnus defeats Matt Seidel, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for anyone who wants to watch Rampage. I think I said it out loud so quickly because I don't expect a lot of people to watch Rampage. Oh, but nonetheless, Magnus beat um Matt Seidel. I did the pause so you guys can pause and fast forward. Uh and then spoiler alert on uh, collision. I'm not too sure. I don't know if one of y'all can look it up because I'm kind of out of my hands. I don't know who w- who wins between uh Pentagon, uh Penta El Zero Merrill uh, we have Brian Keith, and then there's a third person in a triple threat on Collision. So I'll try to. Look will,
2: that yeah, I'll seek a spoiler for this, for the sake of our for a, to be a completionist of our predictions. I think you know, yeah, I,
0: I, I, I feel, I feel because it, it is taped that it is okay. But you know, in case anybody doesn't want to be spoiled, I appreciate Joel for spoiling himself.
1: Somebody my it in the chat.
0: Someone said I it in remember,
2: chat. Yeah, oh well, there you go. There we on. go. Thank you.
0: Thank you. There we go. Sha and Cookie Cookie the GOAT says uh Dante Martin defeats Penta and Brian Keith to be the eighth entrant in the scramble. So we've got Magnus, Dante is the final two entrants. What do you think about the whole controversy with the Meat Madness match being uh pre- announced on the for this show with Lance Archer, Wardlow, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Tony Khan puts out a tweet before Dynamite saying that there's been some injuries and some changes that has caused it to change and that we're going to get an all-star scramble. And then we get the six entrants announced and we get the two two qualifying matches. And we also get an announcement very quickly. It was almost like a lot of people did not catch it. This match is to determine the number one contender for the AEW World Championship. Excalibur said it so fast that I almost didn't catch it because he just. I told you, But well, we got this match as well on uh, Revolution, and it's just like, whoa! Like you, you needed to let that marinate a little bit, sir. So you got that, and then you also got the whole thing that happened to earlier today, this morning, with Miro, who basically was responding to Tony Khan during the AEW Revolution conference call, who basically was explaining the reasons for the change, that there's been some injuries. Uh, I've heard conflicting reports. Some people say that he said Keith Lee and Miro was injured and you know have been dealing with injuries, and they, he wanted them to be a part of the matchup, but they couldn't. And then we have some people who said that they were he was more vague about it and he didn't mention any names. So don't know who listened to what, but it's kind of been in the middle with that, with everybody reporting it. And then Miro responded to one of the transcripts that did mention his name and said that he was injured in September, but he got treatment in January. And Tony Khan wasn't aware of this on Twitter <laughs> instead of messaging him
2: we was was to be fair we did need like a funny like episode on the way to this preview it's a tradition at this point it's a tradition i take it it's fun you know
0: well you already got uh you know brian alvarez saying that there's frustration in the locker room it's
2: all one thing man it's all one there's always has to be something you know always so yeah it's uh it was quite the thing everyone's very mad i don't know what about even i just everyone's mad about something
0: i I really thought yesterday this would be the match we would only spend like a minute on like we would very quickly give our prediction i did not know i would have to give that long explanation about this match now
2: you did a good job though um luckily when it comes to the match itself i still don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on this right because it's like how much can you analyze such a scenario and the belt part of this is that is important though you mentioned it the world title and like I think the main event, not the main event, I should, the world title match on this show, as we'll get to, is hard to predict. You know, in a strange way, this match I think makes it even harder to predict because I think you got to pick Wardlow here, right? Like, I think you kind of have to, but at the same time, what matches Wardlow? You know, like what matches does that necessarily make sense for him out of the three guys in the world title match? So it's an interesting one in that regard. Um, I don't think there's a natural answer there, but as for the match itself. I feel like it would be crazy not to pick Wardlow. Maybe I'm wrong, fellas. What do you reckon?
0: I mean, Powerhouse Hobbs is coming off of a big win against Guevara, so he could be a contender. For some reason, Tony Khan wants to keep pushing Chris Jericho, so I wouldn't be surprised oh. if Chris Jericho wins anything at this point. Uh, Josh, where, where where are you standing? Do you agree with – I think that it, Joe is right in pinpointing Wardlow as the favorite coming off of that promo two weeks ago.
1: I'm I'm leaning towards Wardlow. The only thing is that even if you put Warlow, if he say he does go after the the title and he loses, what happens after that? You right. know what I mean? Because that's yeah. gonna be the same problem that he he's fallen into. Uh, I would lean more towards Hobbs, also depending on who wins the AEW World Championship. You know, just mm-hmm. because you know he is a heel, and I guess it depends on the outcome of again of the Triple Threat. Um, yeah, but besides that, I think between those two, I think I think it's going to be between Hobbs or, or Wardlow.
0: That is the caveat with Wardlow is that yeah, I he is he's probably my pick as well to to win this one. I'll agree with that. I'll make it unanimous. But yeah, it is kind of Josh mentioned like the the caveat of he's winning a number one contendership that he's probably not going to win the title coming off of.
2: Yeah, and when we we of spoiling our own prediction show, when I get to my pick for the triple threat, you'll understand why I'm slightly concerned about the Wardlow thing. So we'll that will make more sense as we go here, folks. But uh, interesting one for sure. Uh, this will be this will be an interesting kind of concept with that many guys too. So we'll see, how it guys. So
0: let's go to the next match that was latestly uh, latest to be announced on this card. As FTR will go against the Blackpool Combat Clubs, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. This is kind of a rivalry that they have been teasing for months, really, like since the Collision days, when it seemed like we were going to get faction warfare with LFI, BCC, FTR, and stuff like that. But it kind of put. BCC out of it. They made FTR into it. That's how we got that four-way tag team matchup at full gear. And now they've turned around and kind of brought it back after John Moxley and Claudio beat a team from CMLL. I believe it was Espinage and Star Jr. They called out any tag team. FTR came out. They had to -to face-to-face moxley beat dax hardwood on dynamite the following week we got a 20 minute time limit draw between these two teams leading to this rematch here to determine who's the better team i think the one nitpick i can give about a part of this whole build is that this match feels like it needs a stipulation and it doesn't have one and i understand that They have, you know, the the main event that is gonna be a tornado tag. So I understand them being like, oh, we can't do that no DQ match for this one. We gotta make this like a regular tag team matchup. It's like you just gave us a 20-minute time limit draw. It's like you gotta do like a two out of three falls. There's there's other options outside of making it a no DQ match.
2: I agree. And I was like actively expecting a stipulation to, it felt like the way they, the the draw felt like an active kind of hint of where they were going. So I'm surprised also, this is one of those situations where in terms of story, there's not a ton of depth here, right? It's important wrestlers beefing. That's really as, as deep as it goes, but they have used this for some really strong TV, right? They've got like three straight opening matches on Dynamite out of this conflict and all of them have been good. Even if none of them have kind of broken through and been these tv classics they've all been really good this match itself i think what is one to circle in terms of placement if this is placed favorably i think this could steal the show to be honest if it's in like a after all something really important it could be it could have to you know work them back into it so to speak but still the floor for a match like this is really high right i mean this should be really really good as for the finish i think FTR gets the win in greensboro i think um you know, Mox had the singles match win. The second, the tag match, it was very much framed as though if FTR had 10 more seconds. I think FTR get done here in Greensboro. But like many matches on this card, it's it's pretty hard to pick, I think. But I'm leaning FTR. Yeah, it,
0: it, this is a very hard one because it's, it's hard to imagine BCC losing at any yeah. point, really, because of how protected they have been. Josh, where do you stand, BCC versus FTR?
1: Oh, uh, I... I'm actually leaning towards FTR winning. Um I haven't I've enjoyed like the build to it but then also I think it's also hilarious how uh they gave two different answers of why like why what's been going on like that's what yeah. I know is too which is hilarious. And I think that's what to be honest I think that makes like whatever like the feud works to be honest with you. Yeah. There's two different reasons. There's a reason why it's happening Each team has their reasons, and I think, you know, that we've been getting what we've been getting. Uh, But I think FTR, I think FTR wins. Um, But, I mean, yeah, this is, like, one of the matches I do look forward to. We already know what FTR could do. Uh, BCC, when they're together, they always put on great performances. So, I mean, I look forward to it either way.
0: Yeah, we got a couple of people who said they want to see blood in this matchup. I mean, with with Moxley with FTR, mm. you kind of you kind of would imagine that. Uh, I also had, uh, I think it was on uh, AU Ramble, someone in the chat suggested a dog collar match, which I, I, was, like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I wouldn't mind the feud continuing afterwards if we could get a dog collar match out of this.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking they may go that direction also because just. This this has been a super aggressive feud, right? Like, on Wednesday, Cash and Mox were doing headbutts. And also, yeah. I, I agree. There's, a, you know, the comment here about there this, this should be a sprint I agree with. Um, yeah. Sprint, you know, relative to what they usually do. Because let's be real, the last couple of weeks, we've seen these two these two teams wrestle for a long amount of time on TV, right? It'd be cool to do something different on the pay-per-view. But uh, either way, you know, we've all said it. This match, is, I mean, this is going to be killer, right? It's FTI versus Blackpool Combat Club. I think it's going to be very good.
0: Yeah, like you said, the floor for this is very, very high. Yeah. I am going to make it unanimous. I am going to go with FTR. I think that you can have Claudio take the loss here in this mm-hmm. one. And hopefully, I think that they have a lot of threads that they've kind of put out there in the build, too. Because I kind of look at the overarching from world to end to this pay-per-view as the build to revolution and it felt like in the early portion Moxley was building to something else like he said like oh it doesn't matter if you're my teammate so it made me think oh maybe he might face claudio so maybe they go back to that after this claudio takes a loss and maybe Moxley starts looking at them start maybe some dissension because i need something to happen with bcc cuz this feels great. like feels like a waste of a great concept
2: yeah it's it's one of those things that's it's awesome on paper and it's had moments, but you can't help but feel at times like it actually lessens the value of the individuals in a strange way, right? It's, it's been a really interesting thing to watch them try and figure out. I, I don't think they've nailed it. And I say that so like all guys involved, I think are wonderful, but I agree that Moxley in, in particular, I think needs something interesting as a character. He needs to sink his teeth into. So hopefully we get that coming out of this.
0: I agree. So we're unanimous on that one. And I think we might be unanimous on this next one as well. It is a bonafide dream match is the members of the Don Callis family, Will Ospreay, going one-on-one with Kanosuke Takesta in Will Ospreay's first official match as a member of the AEW roster. This match was supposed to happen all the way back at Supercard of Honor last year, but uh, Ospreay was injured in the New Japan Cup and couldn't perform on any of the shows during WrestleMania weekend thankfully we have this because uh Osprey signed with AEW back in at in November at Full gear. He was a member of the Don Callis family through his match with Kenny Omega in Toronto last year at Forbidden Door and in his home country of the UK in London, England at Wembley Stadium when he defeated Chris Jericho. And now he's back in AEW and he's trying to ride high with Don Callis family. But Don Callis says he wants the family to go against each other because it doesn't matter who wins, the family always wins in the end. So, what do you think about this matchup? I mean, uh, when I found out about this matchup, I was just stoked. I was like, oh, my God, because I saw everything else that they were building for this show. And it was like, OK, this is good. And then you add this match, which you talk about uh, uh, basically like floor or ceiling. The ceiling for this is five or six stars. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. These two guys in the ring and the potential that they can offer Joe. What do you think about the uh, this matchup? What have you think? What did you think about the segment on Dynamite, which was the real build of this matchup? And who do you think wins?
2: Yeah, I'm with you completely in terms of you know the last match we mentioned. Like I said, it could be it's a candidate still. The show in that regard, this is the favorite, right? I think this one is the kind of front runner in that regard. Um, segment on Wednesday helped too. I thought it came across really well. Osprey having kind of babyface energy and enthusiasm, and Don Callis kind of playing like you know shady boxing promoter and like try to pit these two guys i was really well done and it actually added to my anticipation but yeah this could be um this could be a classic i mean this could be spectacular and i think it most likely will be so in terms of finish as you mentioned i think we all know where we're going in terms of the finish i think there's in fact the more intrigue in terms of outcome is the post-match because i think there may be an angle perhaps possibly something going on here with don for family but as for the match um it's the front runner to steal the show, and I think anyone who's followed Will Osprey knows the kind of effort he puts in on random shows. Imagine the effort on his official AEW, you know, contracted debut—I guess would be the way to phrase it. So, this thing could be outrageous. I, I think it probably will be, but Osprey's winning regardless.
0: I'm just so excited to watch this match, Josh. Who you got? What did you? What did you think about the segment on Wednesday? Um,
1: I got Osprey winning. Um. It's gonna be probably match of the night. That's my match of the night yeah. so far. Um the segment I thought I mean it was good. Um I didn't mind it too much just because it's like, all right, you have one show to make something out of this. And I thought it was fine just because like we're not we're not getting that big feud or we don't know what's yeah. the outcome. I think it's just Osprey's way of uh becoming babyface in the AEW. Uh, I think that's just what it that's all it really is. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought they did a fine job on Wednesday. Like they had one, one segment. That's it. That's all you really need at this point, until whatever goes further after this.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the segment. Like you said, uh, Osprey didn't just come off like a baby face. He came off like Jimmy Macarum said, a main character. He came off yeah. like main character vibes, and he was just naturally himself. But he felt like that, like a top guy that just came to the company. And we've yeah. seen – he even mentioned in the promo. We've seen him a couple of times, but he felt brand new and he felt like a brand – felt like I, I, the best comparison that I had is, like, without the drug problems, Kurt Angle going to TNA. Mm-hmm.
2: That's yeah, what he got, got, a, a, kind of dude, he got a great reaction too. Like, you wouldn't – because you never know with these things. Huntsville, Alabama, I did not necessarily expect to be like this kind of <laughs> Will Ospreay hotbed, you know? I didn't expect that. They, was, they treated him like a rock star. That's the way he came across, so – very, very cool for sure.
0: Absolutely. We're all in agreement, though. Osprey uh, for the win. I see a couple of people, though, not in agreement with us. Look uh, at yeah, Christopher mm-hmm. Kidd, who says, the wins with Don Callis interfering after Will pisses off Don Callis during the match. Uh, we got Roxy, who says, Yeah, I can see Callis interfering and costing Osprey the win. Uh, so a couple of people think that we might see the the Osprey loss in his first match as an AEW star. I mean, I've seen crazier
2: things. I've seen crazier. I'd certainly. Yeah, I've definitely there's almost anything you could say in the chat, and I'll say I've seen crazier things. So maybe, maybe.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, there we go to the next matchup here. We got the AEW International Championship up for grabs. Orange Cassidy defends against undisputed kingdoms member Roderick Strong. So what happened all these weeks ago guys I'll take you back on a trip we went back 6 7 weeks to the after world end the Undisputed Kingdom was revealed as Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, Warlow, and the Kingdom, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett. They cut a promo after and said they were going after championship gold. They said that Roderick was going to win the international championship. You already had the Kingdom with the ROH Tag Team titles. was going to win the AEW World Championship and then hand it over to Adam Cole. I don't know why you mentioned that the first promo, but that's besides the point. Uh, then... About six weeks before this show, Roger Strong announces he's going to get the shot at Revolution. And that's it that they like that he said he's gonna get the shot at revolution and then orange cassidy decided hey you know what i need to bring back my workhorse champion championship run from 2023 again and try to rewind that clock uh he has great matches with Tomi Ishii. He goes to the to Rev pro and he defends it in a seven-way matchup he defended against commander i believe in the build-up to this show as well he defended against nick wayne on dynamite he's been beat up a couple of times by undisputed kingdom undisputed king took out Trent Barretta and Rocky Romero and I say all of that to recap all of this feud to say this shit is ice cold
2: yeah remember when I was saying about the uh, FTR match the placement's important if this one goes in between bigger matches this could actually I think really struggle live uh, which is a shame because the, I think the potential of these two guys wrestling just in a vacuum I think these guys can have a great match I think stylistically they'll be a great fit for each other Roddy's offense is so good So if this, for example, this is the opening match on Sunday, this could really surprise people. They could absolutely tear the house down. Um, I do have concerns about the crowd because I do think there's some fatigue with Orange in general. It's not a a reflection of him. It's his booking that, you know, as you just laid out. The big thing here is I feel like they would have benefited. This could have been a great TV main event in the last month, you know, and it would have stood apart. Whereas on this pay-per-view, It's kind of like the eighth most important match or whatever, right? It's a shame, especially because it feels like you have to do the title switch here. And it's kind of like, will anyone by the end of the night be talking about that? Hopefully. Hopefully, you know, hopefully things go well and placement helps them. But it doesn't seem likely, does it? We're being (laughs) being honest. So, nonetheless, I got Roddy to win. And I'm really excited by a potential Roderick Strong, you know, kind of TV title, mid-card title reign where he's working regularly. I think that could be great. So, optimistic about the direction. Wish the match had a little more juice going in, but it could be very, very good. Josh.
1: Uh, I got Roddy winning. Um, I think what it was too, was that they announced it a little, too, they they announced it way too early in my yeah. opinion. And once okay. they announced it, it was kind of like, Oh, all right. Why do we really need a buildup? We already announced it. And that's how it came off to me. And, you know, maybe that's why, maybe that's why it wasn't as strong. Um, no pun intended. But, uh, but um, yeah, I think the same thing. I, the match has, I think, on paper, it sh- on paper, it should be a great match, and I I think both guys are going to deliver. Uh, it's only going to hurt it if it doesn't reach expectations, and then people are not into it. I think that's what I think that's what that's what's going to hurt the match. But
2: mm-hmm. besides that,
1: I, I mean, in my opinion, I do expect it to deliver. Um, I expect Roddy to win.
0: If they're smart, they keep this. The sweet spot for this matchup is the first three matches. Yeah. If it, it has to be in the first three matches, or I think it's gonna. I I agree with Joe. It might struggle. Yeah, it might struggle here because you got a bunch. Of, got a bunch of people already in chat. We got man Daw says this will be my piss break match. Judging by the placement on the card, that's why you gotta have it in the first. I think yeah. like the second match is like the right. The right. Placement, but yeah, for three, you I'll give you that flexibility because I do like the idea of it surprising everybody and that making that the opening matchup. And yeah, that mm-hmm. could be like the one that'd be like, wow, you got the energy of the crowd up, the crowd is going to be into Orange Cassidy, they're going to be into Roger Strong in the ring, like you said. And this is the, this is the one matchup where I'm more excited for what's going to happen after than the match itself. I think the match itself Either. is going to over deliver, though, over ex- expectations.
2: Yeah. And I think it's really important that they kind of put in this match together. They cut for a lot of the orange tropes, which is great as they are like he's had so many matches. So Roddy should really jump on him straight away at the bell. like give this a different feel entirely, you know, kind of push a serious pace and that's Roddy's strength. So hopefully they have some ideas for this. I mean, they're both super sharp pro wrestlers, right? Great psychologically. So this, this should be very good.
0: Yeah. So I'm also going to go with Roderick Strong cause I mean, I wanted this orange run to be over after All Out. I wanted them to move him up. So like, yeah. what's the, like, why do we have to rewind? It's killed. It's killed. He was one of the most over. I felt like he was going to be the next world champion after All Out. Right. And here we are six months later, and I'm going to the next show, and I'm like, I'm not looking forward to the Orange Cassidy matchup.
2: <laughs> Happens quick, dude. These, these things can, momentum, like, changes very, very quick, but. Hopefully they rebuild him some after this.
0: Hopefully. Uh, Next up, this one is another contender for match of the night brian danielson challenges eddie kingston for the aew continental crown championship this build has been mostly on collision and it's dealt with uh, brian basically playing psychological mind games with eddie kingston and still believing that eddie kingston is a bum and hasn't lived up to his potential despite eddie winning the continental classic and not only that despite eddie finally beating him to make it to the continental classic find Despite him having three championships, Brian says that he's still a bum. He's gone out of his way to beat heroes of Eddie Kingston in the buildup, like Yuji Nagata and June Akiyama. He low blow Jun Akiyama right in front of Eddie Kingston, firing up Kingston. But still, Brian still seems to have an upper hand over his rival, beating him, actually submitting him via referee, referee stoppage in the six man tag on AEW Dynamite. Man, I mean, every time these guys have faced in AEW, it's been instantly the match of the week, uh, a match of the year, or a TV match of the year candidate. But this is the first time after three matches on TV, one on Dynamite, one on Rampage, one on Collision. They spread it it all out. (laughs) (laughs) We get it on pay-per-view. They have a lot to live up to here, Joe.
2: They sure do, but... um... I'm many, I'm I'm very dumb in many ways, but I'm I'm too smart to doubt Brian Danielson. I, that's the one I draw the line at. Um again, I you know in fear of repeating ourselves. Another one, you have to say this has got a chance to steal the show. This could be a classic. These two guys have great chemistry. The atmosphere for this should be special with a big house, especially, you know. So this could be um, this could be spectacular. Now the finish here is interesting because I was really surprised by Eddie taking the four on Wednesday. Very surprised, and I can't figure out if there's some reverse psychology at play and trying to like kind of make me change my prediction because I was leaning Brian until then. So I think, hmm, I think Eddie Kingston's going to win. They've, they've they've managed to reverse psychology switch my prediction here. <laughs> I'm going to regret that. I think. I think Eddie wins, Brian shakes hands, and then he's kind of a more traditional baby phase for the rest of this retirement run, like kind of retirement run, right? So that's my current prediction. That could change within the hour, though. This one is hard to pick because Eddie only's had the belt a few months, but Eddie's not the kind of guy you expect to hold it for a long time, right? So this, yeah, this one's got great drama going in. I'm going to take Eddie kind of reluctantly. (laughs)
0: Yo, I'm I'm right there with you though. Like uh, like a week and a mm-hmm. half ago, I was convinced that it was it was Brian that was gonna win this title and elevated because they had Eddie facing Trent Baretta after he won the tournament. I'm like, you're kind of defining this title down a little bit, but now they're back in, in a right zone where it's like at the upper mid card, could main event TV shows, but middle of the show or I this is a match I feel like you could put anywhere on the card, it's gonna deliver.
2: Yeah, these guys—they're so over, you know. And they have to, like there's gonna be people in there that are loudly chanting the Eddie's a bum thing, and then in response, a lot of people are gonna be chanting Eddie, you know. So that's gonna be that's gonna be magic.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Joshua. You got what? You, what have you thought about the build to this match?
1: Um, I've been leading with uh, Eddie. I think Eddie is gonna retain. Um, and that was because of what happened on Dynamite. I was the same way because I remember I did the when I did the watch along. I said the same thing. After he got past, I said, "Well." I mean, Eddie's Eddie's winning on, on Sunday, and then Romeo said himself, "Like, no, I, I." He he told me himself, "Like, oh no, I could see Eddie losing. Like, he was like, he was like straight up about it." Uh, but I
0: love the fact that Eddie Eddie has still retained the fact that we yeah. still have PTSD from all his losses.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great too, and I think that's why. But to me, I didn't see it that way, just because I was like, "All right, he took the fall; he's so probably gonna retain." And uh, that'll be his way to one-up Danielson, finally, because he beat him the last, well, besides Wednesday, even though it was like a tag match, right? Uh, The last two singles matches they've had, he's won. So that's something he could have over Danielson's head. The build-up itself has been great. Um, I like the fact that they use like, his mentor in the match and stuff like that to build it up. Um, No, I mean, like you said, they had great great uh, chemistry, Uh, Danielson – even after the loss he he took from from eddie he's still calling eddie your bum so
0: <laughs> absolutely Uh we got modest king who says joe if uh brian goes face does that mean nigel is is the
2: heel in their london match so i think it could be one of those cases where within the framework of the story they're telling nigel was the heel because let's be real like He's definitely the heel right now in terms of the way Nigel's a dick. I mean, I love the guy. But I mean, it's not like he's a good guy, but I think it's one of those cases where you let them, you know, Brian would work heel at Wembley because we know what that crowd's going to do with Nigel McGuinness. So the story you'd tell, Brian would be the good guy, the protagonist, but he's going to work heel at Wembley no matter what you do with him. That's just inevitable. But certainly in that whole, the eventual angle with Nigel could be special, right? Because it's inevitable at this point. It's going to happen. So we'll see. Uh,
0: so if, if we're doing Nigel, so I, I, I just need to get my Osprey brian match before this uh, full-time oh, I
2: I think we're getting, I mean, I, I think Osprey and Swerve for the world title is where is we're at Wembley, I think. We'll get Osprey and Brian. That's a lot of people saying that, so yeah. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed there. And maybe some Mercedes Jamie Hayter, like, in the next match. Too. I mean, that's, for Wembley Stadium, that would be awesome. We'll see.
0: We shall see but next up here we got another title match to discuss tnt championship christian cage defends against daniel garcia 2024 really one of the kind of unsung success stories for aew has been daniel garcia coming off the heels of the continental classic where he got one win but it was right at the end in his last match against brody king he followed that up with a win in the all-star eight-man tag at World end and then he has just been trucking along he's teamed up with FTR and vanquished the House of Black in a steel cage war one of the best matches in collision history and then from there he's been focusing on the TNT championship especially after a win with with FTR against the patriarchy he's kind of set his sights on it he faced Adam Copeland in a number one contenders matchup that was broken up by the patriarchy who then took out Adam Copeland with Christian Cage delivering a concerto and now, Christian has targeted Daniel Garcia's family, including his dead father, who lives at a cemetery, because that is the address he gave us in Buffalo. Christian Cage is a menace, and he's gotten under the skin of Daniel Garcia, but Daniel Garcia still seems to be getting the upper hand against Christian Cage. Is this the end of the magical run for Christian Cage? We'll start with Josh this time.
1: What do you think? Oh wanna say yes i do i think Darian garcia is winning only because i think i think adam copeland gets involved and i think that's how like, he drops the title uh i mean you can still keep christian hot even without the title because even so like if you really think about it like his his title run like it hasn't really been it's only been about the title when kill switch gets involved like when mm-hmm. when all that stuff happens anything besides that it's not even about the title it's just about him shitting on people, whatever the case may be. So I think in a way, you could still keep him, like, relevant in that aspect. Uh, but I do I do think uh, Garcia is winning. Uh, he's been on a real hot streak, and I think this is the best way you could keep it up. Like, at least you could, there's somebody that, hey, there's some momentum. Let's give them something. Like, I think they they should pull the trigger on that. Yeah, I but I honestly I
0: I don't I, I don't know if I want Christian's run to end. He's my father. Like <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get that Christian is if they if they're selling that at Green at the at the Greensboro Coliseum, I'm getting that Christian is my father shirt. Um I like Christian, but you ain't my dad <laughs> <laughs> Joe, who you got here, Christian or Garcia?
2: It's another one that I find really hard to call. I, I think they may do something a little a little quirky here, a little different. I think Adam Copeland could actually ensure that Christian wins this match. And here's why. This is going to sound slightly strange, but when I explain it, it may make 5% sense. We'll see. I think they could do a deal where Adam Copeland cost Daniel Garcia, because firstly, they're not friends, right? They had a little bit of a chippy back and forth. And then last week, Garcia made it clear that he would have tapped Copeland, which I thought was interesting. And I think they could do a thing with Copeland where he's so obsessed with winning this belt from christian that he he refuses to let this young guy come in and take his title win. Like you're not being Christian Cage. like no one else is being Christian Cage with me. and then eventually, I think you go to some edging Christian, you know heel insane old dudes team, which would be would be interesting. but I don't know. there was something very striking when when Garcia looked down the camera and was like, Copeland, I would have tapped you if the match had carried on. I thought that, that may become relevant. So a little bit of an outside pick. I'll take Christian via some sort of Copeland uh, interference. But it says a lot about this card, dude. These are two of my favorite wrestlers. And I, when we were doing this, I forgot this graphic was about to pop up. It's like, whoa, this is on here too? This show is out. This, this card is going to be killer, man. This is another match. These guys, they're made to wrestle each other. They have such similar wrestling mindsets. So really excited for this one, honestly. I can't believe I'd forgotten it was on here. So... Flat yeah. up, I'll take Christian Cage.
0: Might low-key be one of Garcia's best matches, I think, if it really yeah. delivers where it could. Um, So I don't think I gave my prediction for the last match, so I'm going to go different from the both of y'all on both of these. I'm going to go with Brian beating Eddie. Yes, my love of Brian Danielson is greater than my love of New York City and Eddie Kingston, I'm sorry. Uh, Brian Danielson, the new Continental Crown Champion, but still TNT champion Christian Cage because the title is still important to the story it's like it's like it's like the undisputed universal championship with the bloodline that is the symbol that is the head of the table he that is Christian Cage's father of the year trophy the TNT championship we cannot let that go <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm about here, folks. I've been riding with Christian for 20 years now. I'm still riding with you. Uh Roxy says, <laughs> says uh, I'm with you, uh SV3. I don't want Christian's reign to end. But if they do it right, they can make this uh his pursuit of it fun as well. Now honestly, if Christian loses
1: here though, I want him to move up to the world title scene. Yeah, because at yeah. that point he's already run this course once once you once he drops the title. There'll be no point of going after the title
2: again. Yeah. It would definitely be. I mean, I'm while I'm not picking it, I think we can all agree it would be a great moment, guys. Yeah, getting a title win here would be like, wow, that'd be a moment. So, yeah, this one's yeah. This is another one that's like this thing could be trem- tremendous, man. I'm th- good lord, this show. Exactly. And then
0: you go from there to I would say the best built women's championship matchup in AEW history. Yes, I am giving it that much because this is the most effort that I've seen to an AEW women's world championship matchup from not only a story purpose, but from a production standpoint with the color and the black and white and the uh, live promos in front of the crowd. This has been a genuine effort to not only introduce and present uh, Deanna parazzo as a contender and a star of the women's division, but to really say that Tony Storm is not just the star of the women's division, she is one of the stars in the faces of AEW, and I think they did a great job built into this match. It's timeless Tony Storm defending the AEW Women's World Championship against Deanna Parrazzo. Former best friends, they came up together in Japan over in stardom. They told that story very well in their promos, talked about their matching tattoos. We've seen Tony go as far as to say that you can't erase the past, but you can do your best to change it. And she's put the dagger through the duck uh, matching tattoo. Now it's all about delivering. I think that this matchup will at least be good. Now, if it gets time and the effort is there to have a great matchup, it can be a great match. Joe, what have you thought about the build? Do you agree with my my sentiment and who do you think wins?
2: I think I do agree in terms of the build. Yeah, I think the honor, I'm a big fan of the honor, but I didn't necessarily expect her to translate as a personality as well as she has to AEW TV. I think she's actually done a really good job in that regard. and. She's played well off the Tony character, which is like pretty challenging to do. Right? That's a big character and a bold character. So I'm with you on the build. The match, I think we all know what they're capable of. Tony Storm can really go. The question with Timeless Tony continues to be, can she figure out a way to wrestle as Timeless Tony that doesn't take away from her strength? So I think this is the probably the best shot they have thus far in that sense. I think stylistically, this should be a good match. So I'm pretty hopeful about the match. I think Tony's winning, but I will say I would be like, you know, have I had the pencil, which God forbid, that would be a scary moment for professional wrestling fans, but I I, I would be a little bit tempted by the Dionne uh, direction here. And the only reason I say that is when Mercedes comes in, I would be going to her pretty quick with that belt personally. And I don't know what a timeless Tony mercedes my nephew looks like. And that would concern me slightly in terms of like how Mercedes would play with a character like I don't know how that would come across, right? But Tony's winning nonetheless, and hopefully the match you know kind of fits the build, which has been good and, and encouraging. The women's division's getting better. It's not saying to kind of you know do a victory lap for it. Long way to go, but I, I think this has been a, a positive couple months of the division, which is good.
0: Absolutely, a big change from where we were a year ago, or even six months ago. It feels like yeah. uh, Josh. What do you think about the build? Do you th- agree with my sentiment? And who do you have winning?
1: Um, I actually agree. Uh they've done a great job. Um, even like a personal story between both of them. Uh, you know, Deanna's playing along with it, Tony's acting like, you know, the way she's acting. And then she even she even she even went as far as adding a dagger to the tattoo itself. Like she even added to the story by getting something else like tattooed. <laughs> uh, you know. I, I thought, I thought that was some great stuff. And then even the production too, like when I started seeing the split, I was like, yo, when the, I was like, how the, like, how is that possible? Like, I've never seen that anywhere. Um, but overall, I mean, yeah, I have Tony retaining the match can be great. Uh, but again, with, with Tony, with, with timeless Tony, we kind of know like what's her style. She's not the workhorse kind of style that she has. Um, but she might bring that out just because of certain things that Diana has said. Uh, so she might, you know, she might bring that out, and she if she could bring that out, potentially be also be ha- we are also looking at another great match for this card. So you know, it could it could really go either way when it comes to the work in the ring. But I I got Tony winning. This is another match
0: though that I feel has to be in the first half of the show.
2: It's yeah, be this like could struggle
0: four or five. It will struggle s- if it's in the second
2: half. Yeah, especially because within this particular story, t- you know, Tony is intended to be the heel and Deanna the babyface, and that will I think be at odds with what Greensboro wants to do. Right? People want to cheer Tony, and is a natural heel. So and
0: Deonna does not act like a babyface at all. Exactly.
2: <laughs> Honestly, if the agent for this match is watching, which he should not be, do your work. But if you are watching. You might want to prepare for that. Don't have the honor of fighting from underneath like Ricky Morton. You know, like the people are going to be. I'm concerned about that, but hopefully they uh, they navigate it well. Hopefully, yeah. I'm this one. I
0: am going to agree with you guys. I'm going to go with uh, Timeless Tony Storm to retain because I, I feel though like you you say you're 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 kind of hesitant about the uh, the potential of a Timeless Tony Storm and Mercedes <laughs> Monet. I'm sorry. Whether good or bad, I want to see that. <laughs>
2: okay. See, we agree on that. I'm I was thinking, you know, kind of I was like, would I if I had just signed Mercedes, would that be what i do if I don't know, but look, it'll be funny. It'll definitely be funny. It'll be colorful, I'm pretty sure. So I Who I understand? really
0: feel I've been I've been very adamant about this, and I'll tell you, cause I, I've been presenting this on on Twitter and on the different shows I do, but I really feel you gotta have Britt Baker come back and be the first feud for Mercedes, because that's how you don't rush her into the world title scene. That's a star that's big enough where you can do a two month build to double or nothing for the first pay per view match for her. At least get to double or nothing without putting her in the title scene.
2: Maybe, maybe I I don't know where I'm at with the with the dentist at this point in my life. I don't know if I'm. I, I, you said it. And I, my brain went, no. And then I was like, well, maybe you explained it. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm not sure. I, I'll say this. I think the first match should be Serena Deeb. I think that would be a gr- killer match to get the run started. And it, you know, so, but uh, I definitely get the logic. Like, it would be a traditional feud that's away from the belt. So I get it for sure.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel like Serena Deeb, that's that's Mercedes' first TV match. I don't think yeah. that's something that we build to.
2: Oh, no, I agree. I agree completely. I actually probably would have... I'd probably have Deeb do an open challenge at big business where the crowd kind of knows. Because let's be real, like, Mercedes is awesome. She's one of the biggest stars in wrestling. But like, I want to see her wrestle. I don't want to see her come out and wave, right? Like, let's get her in the ring, man. Let's have a wrestle. That'd be awesome. So that's what I would do. We'll see. I like it. I like that idea too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we got Modest King who says, Tony has been excellent. Hate the gimmick or love it. She has changed her style, the way she moves. It's remarkable. I, I will say that during the build as well, she's shown that she can turn down the gimmick and just wrestle yes. again. So yeah. I do like that. That is an optimistic sign. I for agree. This I agree. Then yep. uh, you got here next up, you got the du- what's being called a double main event. AEW World Championship up for grabs. Samoa Joe defends in a three-way matchup against sworn rivals, sworn enemies of life. Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. Uh, This all started at the beginning of the new year. Joe was crowned the AEW world champion and immediately it seemed like Swerve Strickland had his eyes on the world title. It also seemed like Hangman Adam Page had his eyes on the world title, but for the reason of Swerve Strickland having his eyes on the world title and wanting to keep him away from it both men tallied up wins and became the top, uh, the top spots on the ranking and had a one-on-one matchup, their third singles encounter that went to a 30 minute time limit draw, which led to both men being crowned the number one contender. And then this is where stuff gets a little bit wonky here. We had a six-man tag where Hook, rvd teamed up with hangman adam page against joe swerve and brian cage hangman adam page seemingly twisted his ankle coming out of the muscle buster at the end of the matchup he told the cameraman to get out of his face because he was holding on to his ankle and he seemed like he was selling it wrestling Observer said that he broke his ankle and possibly needed an mri then Fifel came out and said that he uh people back say said that oh he's very he's just very good at his job and then he was just selling And then we got the angle on Wednesday where Hangman comes out. He said he got hurt. He's not going to be in the match at Revolution. Swerve comes out. He talks a little bit of trash, but also says he didn't want this to happen. Joe comes out, talks his trash. Swerve talks trash to Joe. And then he says a line where he says, I'm the guy that broke into some man's house and uh, threatened their infant child. And you can visibly see it getting to Hangman Adam Page. And he hit swerve in the back with the crutch, hit him over the head with the crutch, laid him out and said, he's not going to be the world champion. I am. And he was lying the whole time. But what the fuck was the plan? That's what I want to know. That's what I'm confused <laughs> about. That's why I, I said the end then, because it felt like this was a great build until this whole segment where it felt like they gave us, I, I said it on AE Ramble yesterday. I'll say it to both of you guys. It felt like I got to the end of the Scream movie and the Ghostface killer stabbed Sydney in the shoulder. She's like, ow, and then they rolled to the credits. Like, they didn't even... They didn't give me the best part of the person revealing the Ghostface and telling me
2: why they're Ghostface.
0: Like, tell me why you did all this, Hangman.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love the Scream reference. i I mean, I am... Um... Yes, you're correct. It doesn't really make much sense, but that is kind of beast in some ways, though, right? Like just, just, just to come out of these sort of useless plans in order to, in order to hit your, your enemy. Um, what you say is fair and accurate. It didn't bother me much because I kind of, I think we could, when you see it coming, it, it plays differently, right? Like we could see it coming, right? So it was, but well, I definitely get your, uh, your critique for sure, but I still am positive on the build. And I think what's really interesting about this is like, I think all three guys are feasible winners here, which that does not happen often in triple threats. Now at this point in the program, I'm going to go into some fantasy booking. Now, before I go any further, before they get mad at me, uh, my friend, Charlie at WrestlePurist, she she came up with the, the kind of centerpiece of this idea. And then I polished it up some of the late night grin discords. So fellas, here's what I've got for the finish. Okay. Samoa Joe has the choke on Hangman Adam Page. Swerve in the meantime Climbs up to the top rope for the big Swerve stomp right he rises up The people stand up with him Swerve's about to hit the stomp on both of these guys and win the world's title Hangman flips off Swerve taps out Sacrifices the match And says if I ain't winning this thing you certainly Ain't winning it Joe retains The world's title that's the finish That I've I've kind of stumbled upon While using my smart friends to come up with this So that's my pick I'm going to kind of reluctantly say Joe because initially I was convinced he was losing here but the way they've told this story it feels like Joe's escaping with that belt to me I don't know I I think he may lose it a big business honestly but um the one issue of course with my prediction is that would mean Joe is wrestling Wardlow at some point which we don't need to do that so uh <laughs> we'll, see, we'll avoid that part of the, but, but nonetheless I got uh I got Joe I think I, I I like the
0: explanation. I love that finish. It's it's some it's something I we read saying here on the channel about uh hangman. Basically, you can see Swerves about to make the save and he just taps out just so he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't win, and so Joe can keep the title. So I, I can I can see that happening. What about you, Josh? What do you think about the build? What did you think about Wednesday segment and who you think wins?
1: Um, I've liked the build. Um what Wednesday segment. Um, it didn't bother me as much just because like I kind of expected bullshit., um, but it was just more funny like to see it happening because we were like, ah, you see, we knew he was fucking lying. <laughs> but um, I don't know. this match could go either way because like when I was talking about it with Chris a couple of weeks ago at in fact, I was like, you know, like th- we were talking about it the moment where we felt like it was a double turn, like when we felt like swerve and hangman double turn. I was like, yo, I have a feeling that maybe they could go with Hangman winning the title back, right? That's something that he's been wanting for a long time back. And then, you know, you have another match between Swerve and Hangman, and that's how Swerve wins the title. Like that would be his way of signifying, you know, like not only owning Page, but then the moment that he did it, again, it's for the world title. That was that was the angle that I, I was going with. Um it still happen. It's just now. it's like I could either see that happen. I could either see hangman winning or Joe winning. I don't see Swerve winning yet. and I think that the reason why is because uh this wouldn't be a really good spot for Swerve to win just yet. like as much as momentum he he's gotten the last few months, I just think he he needs it to to be in a moment where it means something and because you know obviously we have this thing in retirement. The thing retirement is gonna, you know, I don't want to use the word overshadow, but because that's a given, you know what I mean? Like that's already, you know, so you can't really take that away from Sting. It's just that if you want Swerve to have his moment, it's not. I don't think it's gonna happen Sunday.
0: Yeah, I I feel like Swerve has to win where he is the biggest. Thing that happens on the show, and regardless of if he wins or not, he's not going to be the biggest thing on this show, unfortunately. But uh, I mean, it, I love the fact that, like Joel said, that everybody kind of has their their story and the reason why they can win this matchup. Like Swerve has been the hottest star and been pegged as the next world champion for months, ever, especially ever since Full Gear with his match with Hangman. Hangman just turning heel and the masterful double turn they did after the thirty-minute time limit draw and everything that we've seen before that, where it seemed like Hangman was going away from kind of saying that he wanted to keep the title away from Swerve and he was like, "Oh, I'm I'm going for the world title and I." called it from the beginning i was like that's a veil he's lying that man is a liar he is lying right there he is only focused on the world title because swerve is and then he omitted it after the the 30 minute time limit draw so i love that we've seen more of this that the reason why i wanted the explanation is because it's very simple it's like one line like i was gonna fake until sunday and then you mentioned my child it's pretty simple like Mm -hmm. like i like i get modest kings like i don't need the um, hangman to explain it he basically said f swear story no that's not a good reason that's not the that, that <laughs> him <basically saying laughs> f story that then why fake the injury to just and attack it also
1: wouldn't make any sense because it's like i was like no like he mentioned his he mentioned the break-in like that's what he mentioned you yeah, know that was the tr- you you it they told they showed you the story but
0: i'm sorry I've said it once I'll say it again. Wrestling fans are too bright. Like you got to tell them. You got to tell them. Yes, they they showed you <laughs> him changing in his in his like his facial and his body, his body language when Swerve said that, but you need to also say it too. So hopefully, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe Rampage Collision, they could throw on a pre- pre-tape where he explains that. Hopefully. I don't know, but you need to explain why you fake an injury.
1: Yeah, because it's not, it's not only that, but they kind of really didn't mention that, I think, on commentary, from what I remember. Or I think they probably did.
2: Commentary, yeah they, more, <laughs> yeah, they miss a lot. lot. Yeah, They miss a lot,
1: yeah. But it wasn't, like, heavily, you know, like, so I understand yeah, you're what right. you're saying. Um, Absolutely. Again, like yeah. Me, personally, I was fine with it because, because since I've been following it, I knew why Hangman did what he did. But I, to me, it would also be hilarious, Hangman just flat out saying that he was lying about his injury. But then until he brought his family, because then it's like, wait a minute, so that means you were lying then, <laughs> like you were yeah. fucking lying then, like you just admitted you were lying, like what the what the fuck? But, um, like an that aspect, that would be hilarious. We because because we've seen funny shit from Paige ever since, like this this weird like obsession with Swerve that like he's that he's been having. Yeah. That's what makes it yeah. funny to me.
2: Yeah, Swerve's promo was definitely funny. He did like a fired up babyface promo about like breaking into people's houses and. And being like the most awful dude in AEW is awesome,
1: exactly. Yeah, you know, that's what makes it hilarious because, like, like, Mm -hmm. what Paige did, it was yeah, it was heelish, but then it was like because fucking Swerve mentioned the break in, like, right? Like, that's what makes it funny, like, that's what makes it funny because because when he did the break in, it was a heel tack, it was a heel thing, and then when he mentioned it, now because uh, Paige reacted to that. Now, space looks bad. for. Two. That's what it, makes it, it
0: funny. It's very... The dynamic they have created is very much Bret Hart, shot, uh, Stone Cold from yes. 1997, where Paige hasn't really changed anything. He's just really annoyed and upset at this one person, and, and he hasn't really said it yet, but also, it's the fact that the fans have cheered now, have loved this person, that is also leading to his whole unhinged personality right now. That is why... I'm gonna go with Hangman Adam Page.
1: Mm-hmm. You gotta
0: you gotta seal the deal on this on this heel turn, and I I like Josh's idea of Hangman winning, having a transitional run to have a big matchup with Swerve at double or nothing, and Swerve wins there.
2: Dude, it's awesome that like if you we'd have done this when it was first clear where they were going, I'd have picked Swerve immediately, and now he feels like the outside shot. It's it's fascinating how this build has developed. Like it, it's really been intriguing in that regard. I'm very excited to see what they. What they come up with with the finish.
0: Absolutely.
2: And then finally,
0: get ready to cry,
2: people. The tears will be flowing
0: as we will have the curtain call as showtime is no more. Sting's final match tornado tag for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Sting and Darby Allin defend against AEW EVPs Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, the Young Bucks. It was uh, months ago in, like, November that Sting announced that he would have his final match at Revolution uh, leading up, uh, you know, finishing off 2023, kicked off 2024 with a big win at homecoming, him and Darby beating the Don Callis family, and it was the Young Bucks who came out and really kind of answered the call as the team that was going to step up to be Sting's final opponent. In the meantime, Sting and Darby had been undefeated for their entire run together in AEW and got a shot at the AEW World Tag Team titles in a great match beating Ricky Starks and Big Bill on the February 7th AEW Dynamite, which led to the Young Bucks attacking Sting, Darby, and Sting's sons with bats bloodying them, getting the blood on their all-white suits in an excellent angle. Uh, following that, Darby Allen was apparently mad at the Young Bucks, not for attacking him, but for not hiring him five years ago. That was weird. But that was a that was a low point. They brought it back within a, a, one of the best promos of Sting's 36-year career where he talked about his immortality following the passing of his father and the attack that the Young Bucks did that no one had ever attacked his family before. Go out of your way to watch it if you haven't seen it already. And then they put the cherry on top of what has been the, in my opinion, the greatest legend run that I've ever seen in professional wrestling as Sting in his final appearance on Dynamite came from the Raptors for the first time in nearly 25 years to make the save for Ric Flair and Darby Allin, who are being attacked by the Young Bucks to close out Dynamite this week. Joe. What type of emotions are you having? How long you've been a Sting fan? What does this match mean to you as a fan? And what have you thought about the build? What do you have winning on Sunday?
2: Love the build. Um, and as far as Sting, it's kind of surreal because my instinctive answer is that it hasn't fully set in, which is which sounds incredibly dumb because they've been telling me for about five months this is when it's happening. But there's Sting has been around for so long in some form or fashion and because he was already gone for a little bit, it's always felt kind of baffling that he's been able to do as much as he's done in AEW, right? So, like, I honestly think it's going to be one of those deals where in a month's time when I'm reviewing Dynamite or whatever on, on WrestlePeriods, it will actually strike me that, like, Sting's not a presence on the show anymore. Um, it's been a three-year run, dude. That's insane. Like, that's ridiculous, honestly. So, so yeah, it's uh, – I expect I'll get emotional watching the show on some. It doesn't take much to get me emotional, to be fair, but <laughs> I'd imagine they'll get me on on Revolution. I think – Tony Khan is not necessarily great at, like, pomp and circumstance, but he loves Sting. So I think he's going to pull out everything he can do to make this special. I think he'll do it. So it's going to be very, very moving. The build has been spectacular. The Bucks have been perfect kind of foes for for, for the heroes, right? And Greensboro is going to be red hot for this. Um, The finish is more... I think in question than you would expect, considering the scenario, retiring wrestler who's going in with the belts. It should be obvious, right? But I don't know if it is. So I'm going to pick the Young Bucks. I am. I'm going to pick, and it feels like the smart pick. I definitely think though there is a chance that Sting and Darby win and these belts go up in a tournament. Like I think that's absolutely in play. It would not surprise me at all. So again, in line with the rest of the show, it says a lot that this match I think is a questionable finish. I don't know if we know quite what's going to happen. So. My guess, though, I think Sting's gonna have like this kind of defiance, you know, kind of uh, last stand before he gets put away once and for all. So I think the Bucks win. Very, very excited for this match.
0: And you, you mentioned, you know, earlier about Brian beating uh, Kingston made the, you know, the prediction for that matchup yeah. a little bit more unpredictable. That angle on Dynamite with the Young Bucks and Sting and Sting standing tall at the end. It kind of leaves the door open for the Bucks to win on Sunday. And Sting, you know, he's so old school; he would want to go out on his back.
1: I'm gonna let Josh pick first, and then I'll make <laughs> my prediction. Josh, uh, I think the young Bucks are winning. Uh, as much as that, every time we you know when we do the predictions, I always say, "Yo, Sting never loses." But I think in this scenario, it's not only because of that, but because. We also know a while back the Bucks were supposed to get the titles and the FCR didn't want to do the job. So that's why they were in the position they were in. Uh, and I think that this is their way of getting back on course to that. Um, on the, uh, on, you know, when it comes to Sting himself, I mean, everything that he's been, he's been doing and has done has been incredible. This is something I kind of like, you know, when I spoke about it on Wednesday, When I was like, you know, how excited I was going, you know, not only what what I'm excited about and what I'm actually happy about, not only as a fan, but just as a human, that the man is going out on his own terms. He chose his opponents. They're letting him do whatever he wants when it comes to it. Uh, He's making up for what could have been in WWE. And I think to me, like, knowing Sting, that was important, too, because the way everything almost ended was just like, it was pretty sour.
2: Mm-hmm. So for
1: him to go out the way that he's going out, not only with his AEW run, but going out on his own terms. I mean, you, you can't script it any better, especially for a legend. Man has never lost a, a match in AEW. And he's also smart enough to know he can't do singles matches. That's why I, that's also what I well, respected about Sting is like, Sting has never been a selfish guy. You have all these mega stars throughout the years that we know. When you hear Sting's name, right, you know how much a legend he is. But you've never heard of him grandstanding anybody, uh, you know, going, to, going into business for himself. And we're talking about a guy who was in a tag team with Ultimate Warrior, who was like, you know, piece of shit. No offense. Uh, but... It just I mean, it goes to show you, like, just the kind of not only worker, but just the kind of person he was. You don't hear a bad thing about Sting. You know what I mean? Like, where, where have you ever heard a bad Sting story from? You know what I mean? Like, he's always been that guy. He's always been a, a reliable guy. He's always been loyal. Even if they weren't loyal to him, he always kept out. We've seen it with WCW. We've seen it all those years The TNA, even when TNA was in its worst years. He was still there, you know. Um, so I mean, that alone is incredible. And I'm happy that I got to travel to see that, to see his last match. Um, but I do think I think the Bucks are gonna win. I think uh this is their way of still keeping the heat on after getting the titles. Uh but even the build up has been great in my opinion. I know there's a lot of people who have who haven't been, you know. They're just finding bullshit to just trying to, like, discredit everything that the Bucks have done. Um, every single time they could put on a freaking six-star match, it still would be it still would be dragged. Um, and I really don't think they get enough credit at all. Like, they really don't. And, you know, by Sting handpicking them, kind of just tells you the kind of workers they are, too. So...
0: One of the greatest tag teams of all time, and it's appropriate that the first time the AEW World Tag Team titles will be defended in the main event that the Young Bucks are challenging for it. Saying all that, hearing both of you picking the Young Bucks, y'all both called them the Young Bucks. Y'all didn't respect their passport names (laughs) of Matthew and Nicholas Jackson. (laughs) therefore i cannot respect y'all picks and i am picking sting and darby allen to go out on top because i am also excited for this matchup i've loved the build i thought it was a great way to close out stings run in aew but i've seen a bunch of people say it in the chat tony khan loves tournament but also A big idea from two years ago, and we all know how Tony Khan loves to pull out these old ideas that he wasn't able to do before, and he's going to bring it back now. Guys, he's going to do a tournament, and the finals will be the Young Bucks and FTR, because what? Both teams are two-time AEW World Tag Team Champions. He Two years ago, he said he wanted to do it where both teams were going to be... A one time AEW tag team champions and the winner, they would both be going for two time. And now he has the opportunity to do both teams, two time champions, going to be the greatest tag team in AEW history. They're doing a tournament coming out of Revolution. Sting and Darby Allin. Sting goes out on top. Sting's going to probably be telling Tony from the minute he gets in the building to when he goes through the curtain, I don't want to win. Tony's gonna tell him you're winning tonight. You're winning. (laughs) I'm putting my foot down.
2: You're winning tonight.
0: Can't wait.
1: I can't even. I I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I picked the Bucks just for that reason because because of the title situation. Uh, I but I wouldn't be mad at at Sting winning. On not many people have done it, you know. Like so yeah uh you know i know like the people are old school you know they're traditional sting is no different because even sting didn't want the tag titles he was very adamant about it and then you know it convinced them to win it so you know this is a situation where either way i'll be fine
2: yeah me too it's just honestly for me it's more about the moment of sting's farewell right i think that's the the big thing and i think Knowing what has done in AEW thus far, I think it's pretty obvious he's going to go. He's going to leave everything he has left. In he may do, I mean, not may. He's going to do some insane shit in this match uh, that he probably shouldn't do, but God bless the Stinger. He's made it this far. So,
0: <laughs> so do we get Mega Death? Do we get Star K97 theme? Or do we get a man called Sting for his entrance?
2: I think you might get like a mix. You know, I think might I be think a deal like, yeah. I think you might get a couple of themes played before he actually makes his entrance. Um Again, one of Tony Khan's established strengths is spending money on music for professional wrestling entrances. <laughs> so you might get, I think you might get some like something really special in there. I mean, again, as you as you just mentioned, alluded to there, the Wembley entrance was like wow, and this is the retirement match, so again that's part of this show a big part of this show's appeal to me is like i the presentation parts things Farewell, well it feels like they're really going to swing for the fences so i'm fired look i was at a 10 before we started but i'm ready to go put me on 11 let's get this thing going <laughs> I'm, this, at, this, I'm, this. I'm at a full 10, I'm a
0: 10 after talking <laughs> it over with you guys thank you so much for everyone who's joining us if you haven't already drop the thumbs up on the video uh We've been talking about Revolution for an hour and nearly 15 minutes now. Send a super chat donation. Show us some love with that. Uh, Final call for that as we wrap things up here with all of you. Uh, We got in the chat here Modest King who says, the only way Sting wins is if TK being a mark, not a knock. If it's Sting's decision, then he loses. Yeah, most definitely. That's what I said. I was like, like, even with my pick, I was like, Sting's going to probably tell him until he goes through the curtain. He does not want to win. He wants to lose.
2: <laughs> yeah, I also think the other fact there is the Bucks probably are not going to be rushing to beat Sting in his last match either. So it's give it one of those, like the Terry Funk Bret Hart thing of like arguing who should lose. You know, it's give it one of those.
0: And absolutely, <laughs> I agree with Stephen Chambers. Flair's getting super
2: superkick. Uh, yeah, hopefully the, the Flair way
1: uh, is... the way he was moving on Wednesday, I don't that match now. Yeah, man, yeah. I that, hopefully they that keep that it to was, a minimum. Oof, that was. He looked, oh. Romeo Romeo is one of the biggest Ric Flair fans that I know. And even Hugh is just like, don't fucking put Ric Flair out there (laughs) at all. Like, that man should not be doing – he should not be physical himself, should not be taking bumps, should not be doing any of this stuff. And I – as much as it will be hilarious to see him get kicked, (laughs) it's just I don't know deep down or I really want to see that on a human level. On a human <laughs> level, jeez. Yeah. Uh, Nicky Boy says, go with
0: the bugs, but I can see Sting and Darby winning and then vacating. Uh, We also got here Roxy, who says he's 75. I know, but I just want to
1: see the young bugs go, I'm sorry, I love you.
2: <laughs> and then
0: Super go.
1: You see, now you mentioned it that way. (laughs) Just one kick, Rick. Just
0: Just one kick. Just one kick, Rick. We let you do the high poke and the chops.
1: Because because, because, because that was like one of the slowest eye pokes I've ever seen in my life. It was just. It's like, bro, how how can you not see that coming? You could have ducked that. He
0: like dropped the bat first and he did.
1: That was like, oh. And then he threw those
2: punches he threw. Oh, man.
1: That was was interesting. But I'll give him credit. He still threw a better punch than Shane McMahon. Uh, I'll give you that.
0: (laughs) Not saying much there. Um,
1: Well, yes, a
0: couple of folks. Give us your final predictions for Revolution as we wrap things up here. King Potato saying thanks, guys. Great show as always. Enjoy your weekend and Revolution. And, yes, I'm very excited. I'm at a 10. And I think it's going to be one of the best shows AEW's ever delivered. So I'm very glad we had Joe Olbert to preview the card, break it all down, talk about it. Joe, I know you're going to be doing so much content over the weekend with all the different places you contribute to. So let the people know where they can follow you on social media and what you got going on. The floor
2: is yours. Yeah, I officially have too much now. I've reached the SP3 stage, but I'm not as good at promoting as he is. So I'm going to just say, if you follow me on the Twitter or the X, as it is now apparently known, I am at Joe Holbert. And there I'll, I'll do the link tweet before any show, like I did for this show. You know, you can kind of follow along that way. But the one big promotion, which I'm even breaking my kind of bad promotion rule for, March 15th, LNG 100, the 100th episode of The Late Night Grin. Uh, there's actually been like 700 episodes, but the flagship is 100. <laughs> so, and, and I'll say it here: there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be some some uh, some stars in the building. At least one. So uh, it'll be it'll be cool. So March 15th, LNG 100, folks, tune in.
0: Look at that! Look at that! This guy over here, the milestone 100 episodes. I love it.
2: You know me well. I don't promote shit, but LNG one hundred. I've, I've give like a month run up to. I've prepared stuff. There's gonna be a surprise, so yeah, it's gonna be cool.
0: <laughs> I I love it. Go check that out. Support the late night grin. Support Russell Pierce and support Joe Hobert. Josh, let the people know where they can follow you.
1: Uh, you can follow me, Jam Punk three two one Twitter and Instagram, and you will find me here uh tomorrow. Right for yes, true he what 265 266 266 266 yeah. so i'll be on as well i'll be on live so might have somebody else too so we'll see
0: we'll try to we'll try to make room in this uh in this small <laughs> four-year-old child's room uh but yes we are you can follow me on the twitter machine at true hill sp3 follow the gang facebook twitter instagram tiktok at True Hill Heat. Check out all the great content we got on the channel right now, like our new beginning in Sapporo review from earlier this week with me and Sanal. Check out Collision Discourse number 25, reviewing last week's AEW Collision. And check out AE Ramble from yesterday with me and Jimmy Macaram breaking down that dynamite episode with Sting coming down from the Raptors. Thank you, Joe Hobart. Thank you to all of you for joining us live. If you're watching us on demand, we appreciate you as well. Drop the thumbs up, share with your friends, and, of course, hit that subscribe button for more for Joe Hobart, for Josh. It is me, it is me, your True Hill Phenom, SP3. This has been our AEW Revolution 2024 preview. We are signing off until next time. Later, y'all.